Hey everyone, welcome to Chats with Kent and Suze. Um, I am here with Suze Hinton, and she is just an extraordinary uh, individual and live streamer on uh, Twitch. She's been doing this for a long time. So we're going to be talking a little bit about live streaming uh, on Twitch and just about anything else. So Suze, could you give us a quick introduction to yourself and just uh, the things that you think are important and what uh, is exciting to you? So my name's Suze Hinton, as you said, um, I have been a developer for around 14 years professionally now. And around three years ago, I started thinking that I should share my process and share, you know, the kind of stuff that I work on in my own personal time, which tends to be a lot of open source. Uh, and so that's how I started doing live streaming. And so I don't just code professionally, I do actually code as a hobby as well. And I tend to code mostly IoT or, you know, sort of hardware robotic stuff in my spare time. And people find that really interesting. So I always think it's way more interesting than any of my day jobs. You know, most people want to talk about work, but I usually want to talk about what I do with code for fun. Oh, that's that's interesting. Have you ever um, considered that maybe this is getting a little ahead of us, but that just made me wonder if you've ever considered making the side stuff your day job like is there any opportunity for that or is that interesting to you at all yeah that is really interesting because my latest position um, I started working at Microsoft just over two years ago now and they were particularly interested in the things that I was doing in my personal time which was hardware and IoT so uh, I now actually work at Microsoft as uh, an Azure cloud advocate and I focus mostly on IoT um, services that we offer within Azure very cool. That's kind of the dream there is to, you know, get get paid for the thing that you enjoy most. So um, cool, cool. That's awesome. Um, so let's talk a little bit about the stream. Uh, I'm, I'm curious why it was um, that you really got into streaming, um, you know, because we can we can code on our own. Um, and the for lots of people, I think the thought of, um, you know, even one person, let alone hundreds of people watching them code is a little um, nerve wracking. So what was it that got you interested in live streaming? That's always a good question. And I think there's sometimes, um, sometimes there's a bit of a mistake made where people assume that I was one of the first people to actually start live coding at all. And that's actually not true. So I wanted to take this moment to say that I was actually inspired by a few people that did uh, live coding before me. And that is a uh, handmade hero who um, is a developer who is creating a game from scratch. And they basically live stream their progress every single day, which is amazing. Uh, and there's also a gaming studio called Vlambia, and they make cool games like Nuclear Throne, uh, Ridiculous Fishing. And as part of their Nuclear Throne development, if you sponsored their game or downloaded the early beta of the game off Steam, you could actually get access to a private live feed and watch them actually coding more features on the game, which I thought was really cool. Um, and then the third person who I was actually, who sort of was the straw to the camel for me, you know, that cherry on top that got me started, which was Nolan Lawson, where he basically just live streamed to YouTube one day and said, I'm going to work on open source for three hours. And because I maintain a lot of different repositories and libraries, you know, I want you to be a fly on the wall. And so he said that to his Twitter community. Um, and I was absolutely fascinated, especially with his stream, because I maintain open source too, but my stuff tends to be 
not as heavy traffic when it comes to issues and utilization of my code. Um, so I thought it was fascinating to just see how like a fellow open source author works, you know, within their context. Um, and so after that, I asked him if people would think that um, hardware live coding would be interesting. And Nolan was like, yes, you should absolutely do that. And so that's why I started um, doing it. But I wanted to just show people that hardware coding is really just regular coding, but for like smaller, um, dumber computers. That's sort of the the simplistic way that I describe it, <laughs> um, where maybe you're using a lower level language. Um, so that tends to scare people. But at the end of the day, you're just facing different challenges, but it's still regular programming, you know, when it comes down to it. Yeah, that um, I'm glad that you mentioned some of the people who inspired you. That's um, always good to uh, show gratitude to those people. And, and we, I, I feel like we all stand on shoulders of giants. Um, but uh, you, you've done some things with your live stream that I think are, are really cool and, and like to get into a little bit. Um, but before we, we get too far into that, I just wanted to um, try and understand uh, your goals for the live stream. So you, you mentioned that you want to like make the live stream um, show people that hardware programming isn't um, some magical thing, but it's actually just a different type of programming. Is there anything else that you're really hoping to get out of the live stream um, for yourself or for the people who are who are watching? Yeah, there's a lot of different reasons. And I think that that's important because I don't think that I would have been able to stream for, I mean, it's been more than two and a half years now on a very consistent basis. I think that that initial reason, you know, sort of obviously fell away after about six different streams. You're like, well, I showed people, okay. Um, but what, could, what made me keep going mm -hmm. was that this community started gathering around this stream and, you know, it, it took a long time to build that community. It took a long time, for example, to get to the first thousand followers. Um, but as those people came in, I found that they were incredibly motivating for me to get open source work done. And when I, when I switched careers, when I switched from front end development, which I'd been doing for like more than a decade over to dev relations, you know, my schedule changed very dramatically. And if I'm traveling a lot more and sort of having to basically work out of hotel rooms and things like that, it's harder for me to keep up with my open source. And so having this lovely community that looks forward to, you know, joining you every stream means that I'm motivated to actually get work done, especially when it's more difficult for me to actually work on that stuff. And so I find that it's it's a really great motivator to get work done. Um, and then on top of that, the community is just so nice that I'm I'm very excited to see them now. And they sort of, I consider that they're not just there to see me, they're actually there to all talk to each other. And I think that that's really awesome as well. And so it's been valuable beyond just that initial, you know, um, helping people, but those people actually do help me too. That's very cool. I uh, So I have done uh, a bit of live streaming myself, and I always found that I was able to um, get so much more done when I was live streaming because I'm not <laughs> tempted to jump over to Twitter or <laughs> whatever. Um, so that, that resonates with me a lot. Um, and that, that's cool that you've been able to build. I, I just was on your Twitch uh, channel. It looked like you had 12,000 followers um, on Twitch. And, uh, that's just incredible that you have been able to, to build such a, a good following there and that they're really friendly and you have moderators and, 
and all of that to help you um, kind of foster a positive and um, uplifting community. Um, so I can see why you'd be um, excited to, to interact with them some more. Um, cool. So let's talk a little bit about what, uh, yeah, how, how you make this happen. So uh, you have a blog post and I'll make sure that this is in the show notes um, on Medium, my Twitch live stream coding setup. And it is very detailed. Um, so anybody who wants to really get into this will have a very nice resource thanks to you. Um, but I was watching your most recent stream and I noticed a few things that I wanted to ask you about specifically. Um, so the, the first one, and, and as a, a live streamer myself, there are some things that I've been thinking, oh, maybe I should try and get into doing that kind of thing. Um, so specifically, how do you find um, the music that you play kind of in the background so the music that i play in the background doesn't tend to be like your typical i guess gaming live stream where it's like very heavy fast-paced electronica um it's just not really the vibe right like people come to people come to my stream with a cup of tea you know not like a jaeger shot i guess <laughs> it's, it's sort of the vibe that i'm going for <laughs> and it is a sunday morning right so you know i i stream like at least in my time zone it's 9 a.m so it's not really like party pumping it's like broad daylight and yeah like i'm sort of like choking down my first coffee so i try and find just a nice sort of um ambient you know calm music and so a lot of the services that tie in and integrate with live streaming really easily tend to be more on the the other you know genre of music I was talking about with the heavy hitting electronica and so I basically went on both free music archive which is a great site and I also went on Bandcamp and I think SoundCloud as well is another source for me and I just find music like I pay for some of it and some of it I don't pay for I just find music that has you know is creative commons licensed um, I do actually have a chatbot who is able to attribute um, you know where the music is actually coming from and things like that um, and that's what I use to play it and it's all saved onto my hard drive and I really just use iTunes and so just before I start my stream I start playing that a special Twitch playlist that I've put together in iTunes, and then everybody can actually hear that coming out through the actual stream itself. Right, and and I saw in your uh, post, it looks like you're using loopback to do that. Is that how that works? Yeah, that's right. So loopback takes the music from iTunes and routes it to a virtual device so that I can kind of control the volume of the music a little easier than you know, having to use the volume dial, I guess, on iTunes. Um, and it also separates it from any other sounds that I want to be a bit louder than the music, given that the music has to be a lot quieter in the background. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Makes a lot of sense. Cool. I was just curious about that because any, any time that I've um, tried to, um, uh, tried to do music, like it always ends up being, you know, YouTube or somebody will say, oh, hey, like this, we have to monetize your video now because you're using royalty music and so I'm, uh, thanks for sharing that. Um, cool. So, um, what, what do you think, let, let's be a little bit more meta here. What do you think is the, like, um, if, if somebody came to you and said, Hey, I've been thinking about live streaming, um, like how would you convince them that it's a good idea and encourage them to do it, um, to like, because lots of people probably would be a little intimidated by the idea. So why is it a, a good idea to live stream? Or, or what kind of benefits can live streaming provide? And, um, and how would you encourage somebody to get over their fears of getting into it? 
that's actually a really good question because usually the first thing I lead with is why do you actually want to stream? You know, because there are some wrong reasons why you would want to stream. Um, and that's usually what I cover first. And so if someone says to me, well, I want to be able to quit my job and do full-time streaming and, you know, make a salary off that. And there's just no way, especially in the niche of live coding streams, that that's going to happen, right? And so that person's going to be super excited and then they're going to burn out very quickly. Um, mm. And so usually I try and make sure that it's not something that could end up unsustainable for them. Um, and then from there, we can sort of work on like setting some goals at the beginning so that they sort of ease into it. Um, and so if they do want to get started and they're worried about things like, what if I make lots of mistakes or, you know, what if I get trolled? You know, I usually just tell them just stream up to five times if you need to completely secretly. Do not tell anyone. Um, don't put a lot of tags or, you know, just descriptions on your stream so that it's not as discoverable on the platform that you're streaming on and things like that. And just get a feel for how it actually feels. Um, and don't buy too much expensive equipment at the beginning either. You know, I put the first four streams that I ever did up on YouTube and just so that people can see it. Um, and it's sort of, they're sort of edited down a little bit. And it was basically me wearing Apple headphones and just talking to myself, right? <laughs> and and so, <laughs> you know, it's not that difficult to get started. Um, but I guess like the benefits that come out of it are things like, it's highly motivating to get work done. You know, you can have focus time. Um, you can meet some other really cool developers who can actually help you with your code. Um, I found that I actually got, became a much faster typer or typist because, and mm. I didn't even expect that to happen. And it's mostly because I wanted to be productive on the stream and I had to talk at the same time and think and also look at the chat and everything. So, um, in order to stay efficient, I just had to learn how to type faster and make less mistakes. And so that was a really weird benefit that came out of it as well. And what, what yeah. they will hmm. find too is that people really appreciate seeing how other developers work. Like even when you pair program with someone in the office, it's not generally how that person naturally works, right? And so being able to see how other developers work just really helps you understand how similar or how different you are from other developers. And it, it helps to pick up tips and tricks as well. And so for me, I got this nice kind of fuzzy feeling from being able to teach people random stuff that I didn't ever expect that I could teach people, such as, oh, Suze did this really cool trick with Git, and I didn't even know you could do that, and I'm going to go and try that. And it mm. had nothing to do with the actual sort of work I was doing. It was just such a small little side thing. But um, that's another benefit that I've found come out of it that – makes it more sustainable for people to just keep streaming consistently because there's enough sort of good parts about it that makes you want to come back for more because that consistency is probably the most important thing is being able to find a schedule that works for you that other people can rely on. Oh, that was all really awesome advice. I, um, I think that, uh, um, like one of the things that that really scares people about this whole experience is that oh my goodness there a bunch of people are going to watch me and judge me on how bad of a coder I am but I think um at least in my experience and you can confirm or, or uh refute this is uh most people who want to tell you how bad a coder you are are not going to sit down and watch you 
uh, code. They're not going to take the time to just sit down and watch you code and tell you how bad you are at it. Most of the people who will um, watch you are, are encouraging you and, and want to, um, um, yeah, they want you to succeed. They don't want you to waste their time. And, and so they're kind of rooting for you. Has that yeah, been Yeah, that's experience? absolutely been my experience. I would say that the time when I'm most vulnerable online, which is actually live coding and people seeing my abilities live, has been the time that I've received the most praise. And I think part of it is there's a lot of people mm. who would just be too scared to live code at all. So they already think that you're some wizard for being able to do it. But then on top of that, <laughs> I think that we, we're always our biggest um, critics. And so a lot of the time we're better coders than we think we are. I mean, I, I really don't mm. think that I'm a particularly clever coder um, and not in the writing clever code sense, but just in the, I don't think I'm particularly brilliant at it, but I think that I'm good at putting out good experiences for users, right? And writing clean enough code that gets the job done. Mm -hmm. um, I found that there are other pockets of the internet who have been like critical of my code that hasn't been on live streaming. So I think you're a hundred percent correct in that they'll they'll take one look at one of my GitHub repos, completely misconstrue what the repo is about, start tearing apart, you know, like, oh, there's like this empty file here, right? And they they don't even know what the context of that empty file is, right? <laughs> and and they're the most mm -hmm, likely yeah. to do that over there. And the people who are actually watching me, it's just, it was so unexpected, but you were completely right about that. Oh, that's very good. Do you, how often do you have to uh, respond to questions like, what font is that? What editor is that? What theme is that? <laughs> so that started, I think that was one of the first <laughs> things I did to automate my stream in that I installed a chatbot and then mm. the common way to set up commands for any kind of, um, I guess, live stream is to have a bang at the beginning and then like a word as a command. So I have a, I have a command I can write or, you know, any of my um, chat, you know, uh, people who are in the chat can type and it's basically bang dot files. And so that will share my dot files with them. Um, and I think there's another one that is like bang editor. Mm -hmm. And it just has this lovely sentence that says, hi, uh, thanks for your interest. I use Vim and I use the Dracula theme for it in my terminal. And uh, I use <sighs> inconsolata as the font and here are my Vim dot files, right? <laughs> so there are, there are definitely Beauty. ways you can yeah. shortcut that uh, and anticipate what people are going to ask. Um, and on top of that, I do get a lot of questions that are just generally like tied to what I'm actually coding. And I think that they are usually the questions that I want to pay most attention to because I can't just automatically answer them. Right. Do you um, sometimes when you're streaming have people come in partway through and and you're like in the middle of something and they say, what are you working on? And do you have to like, do you have moderators that kind of help with that? And you just let the moderators do that or or how do you deal with those kinds of questions that come in the middle? Yeah, that's definitely the most common thing that happens. Someone will drop in and just say, what are you doing? Um, and imagine someone doing that to you in real life. I mean, I guess that would be like a micromanaging product manager, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Where they're like, what you doing? Are you done yet? What feature are you working on? You know, like, mm -hmm. um, what stage are you at? That kind of thing. So I do um, fill out a, I do actually have a um, chat command that I change every single week depending on what I'm working on and it's called like bang what am I doing and mm. it'll usually link to the github repo and just briefly describe it um, so it'll just say something I'm working on electric IO and um, you know here's the github and this is the specific feature or issue or pull request that I'm reviewing 
And my moderators tend to expand a little bit on that if the person wants to know more, which is really nice of them. That's awesome. How do you go about getting uh, people invested enough to be official moderators? Uh, are there people you just see in the chat frequently and you say, hey, like you reach out to them and ask them to, to be a moderator? How does that process work? Yeah, that's exactly how it worked at first. Um, I had a few people who were just like so positive in the chat, always answering people's questions, like basically was self-selecting into it. So it didn't feel like asking them to take on an extra responsibility. It was just like, keep doing what you're doing, but I'm going to, you know, knight you with the the sword of moderation, right? Um, <laughs> <laughs> where you actually get extra powers and I trust you to be able to use them. And so if you see somebody coming in and saying something really nasty, you can just immediately ban them and delete the mm. message. And that's very helpful for for me because I just don't always see them in time. And mm -hmm. even if that message is there for 30 seconds, it's obviously causing upset for a lot of people. Um, mm -hmm. And so that's definitely how it started. Um, and then, then my moderators would start um, suggesting other moderators to add, which has been what's happened recently. And so I now have like a pretty strong team of 15 mods. And at any time I tend to have between three to five of them in the chat and sometimes even more, which is which mm. is definitely enough for the coverage that I get um, for the amount of viewers that I have. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Cool. Very good. Uh, so I, I was wondering, there was one time I was live streaming and um, I think I, I uh, made a, like went to a window that had my GitHub token um, <laughs> up there. Um, you're laughing. So I'm, I'm hoping that I'm not the only one who's made this mistake before, but um what, has that ever happened to you? Can you tell us a story about if, if that's ever happened? Yeah, that actually happens to me a lot. And I'll tell you why it actually happens a lot. Um, at the beginning, I was so terrified of this happening that I limited the projects I worked on and I did, I had all of these like plans on, you know, I'm going to work on this project that has a secret. And so I will never show this and I'll be very, very aware, but it got really distracting and it sort of limited what I got to work on. And so these days, um, I still limit myself as to like what kind of secrets I'm potentially working with, but as long as the secret or the token is easily rotatable, then um, I won't really worry about it too much. Um, mm. And so, you know, I obviously strive to not show anything private. Um, I even have like, I have a Chrome extension called Blocksite. And I actually have certain pages, very specific pages blocked. So for example, any mm. GitHub settings page is blocked. Um, mm. But you can go to regular GitHub repos and I can go to all of my repos if that makes sense. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. It's very, very clever. I should probably do that. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, there's actually a really cool... Uh, Chrome extension also called Azure Mask that I use, which actually one of my team members developed. And usually when we're doing demos, even in just like regular presentations on stage, we're showing uh, the Azure portal, which is basically the console where you can do a lot of things with your cloud resources, but you can do it with a, a GUI instead of on the command line, right? And it's it basically like finds all of the input fields that have like all of those secrets and it just blurs them or blocks them out. And so I can be copying mm. and pasting that that um, that um, key around, but no one necessarily sees me actually, you know, when I'm navigating to it in order to copy it for something. So that's very helpful because it just happens to be the cloud service that I use and it just happens to have a really cool extension yeah. for it. I realize how convenient that is, but that's sort of how I, <laughs> I, I manage things. But I think the funniest thing that happened recently was... 
I was like, hey, everybody, I'm going to come back to this project that I have not worked on in like forever. And I'm very excited about it. So I like CD into the directory on the terminal. And I was like, huh, you know, I, I kind of have my Git status stuff baked into the prompt. So it was kind of showing a bunch of symbols saying, you know, that there's some untracked changes and there's some other, you know, modifications that I haven't committed. And so I was like, huh, my state's not clean. Okay. So what was I doing in here last? And I ran git diff. And then of course there was an environment file with a whole bunch of environment variables in it that was secret. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And you just see me laugh and I just laughed and laughed and I was like, oh, Suze, we've done it again. And so then (laughs) what I ended up doing was I I have this secret, I call it a secret blocker. And it's literally just an image that I can toggle with the keyboard shortcut. And it basically um, blocks just the desktop part of my stream. So it still shows the chat. It still shows my face. doesn't like mute the sound, but it just means that I have some privacy. It's like just throwing up a little curtain for a second. Um, and so mm. if that happens, I will laugh and I'm like, hey, everybody, just going just gonna to rotate that, copy, paste it in, maybe get ignore that file. And then we're back to normal again, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Cool. Well, we're getting pretty close to the end of our time. Um, I want to make sure to leave you with whatever time that you want to bring up anything that I didn't ask about. Um, is there anything about live streaming or about anything else um, that you're particularly interested in that you'd like to share with us or, or chat about for the last couple minutes? I think that I I want to... I want to let people know that try to find something sustainable for you. Um, And that could just be like one live stream and then that's it. You just wanted to show people this thing that you're working on. I think that people take it really, really, really seriously. And I don't think that that's something you need to do. Like if Mm. you look at my setup, it might look super professional, but it's just because I I stream every single Sunday and I I want to be able to sleep in as much as possible. And so, you know, automating my setup and making (laughs) sure that it just always looks good and I don't have to worry about it is more a matter of like, you know, uh, aspirational laziness, you know, (laughs) than anything. And so you don't (laughs) have to, you just, you don't have to be all professional and don't put so much pressure on yourself. And the really, the most important thing is that you're having fun. You're talking to people in the chat and having a good time with them and that you're doing it because you look forward to it. And because you've found a sustainable, consistent schedule And for no other reason other than that, because a lot of people, you know, feel so bad if they'd like, you know, I guess like quote unquote, like fail at this. And that's just really not what it's about. I think that, I think that I've set up Mm. some impossibly high standards for people and they don't realize that, you know, it's taken almost three years for me to get to where I am. And I never would have stuck with it this long if I didn't, you know, want to do it for reasons that are actually like genuine and authentic. So it's just, it's going to go a lot better than you think. Um, But also, yeah, not to take it so seriously. Oh, that's wonderful advice. Uh, And I'm happy to to end on that. Um, Yeah, it just... uh... I, yeah, you, you've shared a whole bunch of advice and I, I keep on trying to find ways to add to what you said, but I can't <laughs> because it was just good. So I'm going <laughs> to just leave it where it's at. Um, so Suze, thank you so much for all that you do. Uh, I know that um, people who watch your stream are actually learning stuff and it's and not only learning stuff, but also developing relationships with other people. Um, and that I think is a 
a really good thing that you do for the community, a good service. And that uh, the the following that you've developed kind of speaks to that and is kind of a testament to um, the, the positive influence that you are in the community. So thank you for doing that. Um, and I, I hope that you're able to continue that for as long as it brings you um, joy, sparks joy. <laughs> thank you so much. I really appreciate hearing that. That's wonderful. Cool. Well, thanks so much, Suze. Uh, we will see you around on the internet. Before we uh, close this off, can you, um, yeah, just where can people find you on the internet? Yeah. Um, so I'm Noopcat or Noopcat. You can pronounce it either way, pretty much everywhere. <laughs> so that's N-O-O-P-K-A-T. And so that's where I'm on GitHub, Twitch, Twitter, that kind of thing. I think I'm Suze Hinton on Medium just to like confuse things a little bit. So that's where I tend to blog about <laughs> most of my Twitch stuff if you want to know more. Very cool. Um, quick question on the Noop or Noop. Um, how do you pronounce it? The correct for you is it no up or the correct noop? way to pronounce it is no up cat, but I'm lazy because that sounds like two syllables. So a lot of the time I just say noob cat. Oh, okay. I, I, for my, like for a very long time, always pronounced that noop. And then somebody said, no, it's no op because it's a no operation. And oh my goodness, I still say, noop. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that is actually what it's from. So it's supposed to be a joke. It's like useless or lazy cat. Essentially that's, that's the joke. Mm. So, <laughs> very good, cool. Well, I I appreciate uh, also you sharing your optimizing for laziness. I think that we um, could all benefit from doing that. Um, automate ourselves into laziness. That's a good <laughs> thing. <laughs> cool. Hey, thank you so much. 